0: After everything we've said, it should now be clear. What is the kivun? What is the, the direction? El the inner direction. Meaning, this whole journey is not about the external behavior, but it's about the self. So what is the kivun, what is the path to our personal internal avoda? A person comes to himself through the unification of all of his kochos, Not just his kohos aguf, but also his kohos aruach. Through das, that's how you come, as we explained, to this unification. Therefore it is incumbent. Upon every single Oved, upon every single person who's taking this Avodah seriously, of knowledge of himself, rectifying himself, becoming one with Torah, if what you really desire is to serve HaKadosh Baruch it requires you to be a Bardas, to be a thoughtful, mindful person. Living life on autopilot will not result, it's not possible, in resulting in a unified life. I just want to say one more thing about this unified life concept before we go weiter the difference between Judaism and other religions is Judaism is not binary this is is very often a binary experience when you talk about when you talk about religion it's either this or this it's either God runs the world right, or nature is real but in truth in Judaism it's not one or the other it's both Nature is not fake, but it's, it's, it's part of the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu hides himself within creation. So we're not ignoring our responsibility in the world. But it's other it's, Abba. If we ignore that, then we're losing a koach that we have. Each one of us, as Revolvi has explained many times before, each one of us has a particular physical koach, a capacity that when united with the human spirit, with the godly spirit of a person... That is what makes shameless in a person. So to ignore half of the equation is to lose a part of yourself. Only the truly spiritual person will be able to see the, the godly power within the physical world. The impoverished mentality of those that refuse to engage the physical world because they feel they can't. It's a function of the fact that they're not seeing the world in a godly way. A godly person sees the world, he doesn't shy away. Adarabba, he doubles down. That's one of the reasons that Purim is the only Yantif that has a Gentile name. Purim is not a Hebrew word. Purim is not a Hebrew word. It's a Persian word. Right? Where does that come? I don't mean Persian like uh, Yusuf Zada or, you know, Medi or any one of the Zadas, right? Or Kohen Malamed or Kohen Tab, whatever, you know. Yeah. It's not only for those that, that mothers serve them Kibbeh. You know, it's... Um, or Jahnud, right? Jachnud is also a Persian thing? Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry I'm betraying my lack of uh, my lack of awareness of that sorry, side of the world. Yeah. It, it means it means um, purim is Dafka given a Gayusha name because it teaches us how to engage the Gentile world. We're not being told to close ourselves off. It's a method of engagement. The one who sees the world in a godly way is not afraid. He's careful, but he's not afraid. Yeah? Yeah, just like who? Just like Right. No, the opposite. Is when I recognize that godliness hides behind everything, when I recognize that godliness hides even within me, that's what allows me to engage the world. It's because I'm searching for that godliness. You understand? So a the, the whole Yasod of Purim is not to be afraid of anti Semitism. That was the machlok between Esther and the Chachamim. Esther said Kiswuni Ladoro. She said, Write me down for generations. The Chachamim said, but it'll cause anti Semitism. See? Adrabah it's it, it's our it's our fear of it's our fear of what the Gentiles will say about us. It's our lack of Jewish pride that causes anti Semitism. We have to stand up and say that we have a godly message to share with the world. What's sad is that we haven't had the opportunity to do that throughout most of history because of the persecution. And now that we live in a day and age where the persecution is not in the same way, I'm not saying it's not there, but it's not in the same way, and we finally have a Jewish voice, the sad fact that so many of us are unwilling or unable, too afraid, to say a uniquely Jewish message to the world, that's part of our impoverished mentality. We we have an opportunity, we have the method of communication, we have an awesome opportunity to share with the world what we've been trying to share for nearly 6,000 years. There is oneness in the world, we've been trying to teach that to the world. We have an opportunity to say it and everyone's saying like, yeah, but isn't Israel amazing because we have water purification plants? It is an amazing piece of technology it's not uniquely Jewish. The opportunity to get up and say with pride, this is our land. This is the land that was given to us by our by our God. It was handed to us by our forefathers. That, that fear that we have, right? Again, I'm not saying at all that this is what we should do, right? But I, it's not my way, and it's not the way that I would want for my Talmidim. But I personally think there's something valuable in those people from the Hasidic community that say, I really don't care what the world thinks of me, this is how I'm going to dress, because this is what it means to dress like a Jew. Again, I don't think that's what it means to dress like a Jew. I wouldn't want that for my Talmidim. But, there's a sensitivity, really. yeah? they they so I am. There's something proud about that. There's something that, you know, again, if I was walking through France today, I'll be very honest with you, I would not wear a yarmulke. I would wear a baseball hat. You know that, uh, that famous joke? What does it mean to be a tuna bagel? Tuna Beigel is a guy who goes to Yankee Stadium, he's wearing a white shirt, black pants, sits us out, and somebody comes by and goes, Mincha? And he goes, how do you know I was Jewish? Yeah. If you, there, there is something, again, if I was walking through France today in France, it's a, it's a crazy place, I wouldn't do it. You should know I had, just now I had to fly back from America, and one of the opportunities was to fly back through France in order to get me back on time. I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even want to be in the airport. I don't want to be, I, I don't think anything's going to happen, but I don't want to be in the airport. A chaver of mine was just walking through Texas, and somebody said to him as he was walking by, SIG hal, the Nazi salute, that craziness, we live in a crazy world. So I think there's something very smart about being aware, I had a very big argument many years ago with one of the deans of my college, it was a brilliant, brilliant man, and he said if he was going to Iran today, he would wear his yarmulke, I said, you're crazy that's not called Jewish pride that's called stupid you're gonna end up with your head off your neck it's okay. what was that? Yeah, you it. <laughs> yeah. it's can you really? Yeah, as long as you don't like, Jews, God, serious, I I like Israel I like Israel I have a problem thank you so much for the help they have no problem right that's been throughout history we have no problem with Jews we just don't like and then fill in the anti-Semitic thing my point here is <laughs> not to discuss anti-Semitism Sammy but you hear what I'm saying the, the fear that people have to be able to go out into the world and be Mekad Shem Shamayim, it comes from the fact that they're not looking at the world in a unified way. Last thing, the wants to be Mitzayim, wants to highlight. The bottom line is it comes down to Makhshavah. If you are not a thinker, if you're not a person who's thinking deeply about the world, where is your avoda? How could it possibly? Be? As avoda comes from thoughtfulness. Blessed is the person that has a strong that is a strong that that is what we call a curious observer of self. Kihura benaliya. Do not expect to grow. Don't expect to do meaningful things with your life. If you are not a thoughtful person, guys, when you're a kid, autopilot works. When you're an adult, adults require subtlety, nuance, and complexity, right? When you're an an adult and you you have real challenges in front of you, personal challenges, interpersonal challenges, every one of those things requires a level of subtlety and complexity and nuance. You can't just keep shooting from your gut. It doesn't make any sense. You have children, for example, right? Children are complex organisms. I once asked my Rebbe, Shlito, I said, what's the, like, what's the shot when you're, I don't know if you guys don't know this yet, maybe Dr. Balkany can help me out over here. Do you remember when you were first married? And you think, like, it's just you and your wife, right? You gotta figure it out, right? Then you have a kid. I gotta figure it out, right? I'm playing two-on-one. How many children do you have? Okay, so you're perfect for this Marshall. I have six, guy, yeah? but three is better for this mushroom. Two on one. Two on one, little baby, two on one. Then you have a second child. You're playing two on two already. You're, 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 you've met your match, yeah? Then you have a third child and for the first time you're outnumbered. When you have five daughters in a row, Rabbi Say. yeah, I have five <laughs> daughters in a row. When you have five daughters in a row. So I asked my what's the shot? So he had an unbelievable shot. He said, families are all about dynamics. So when it's just you and your wife, so there's the dynamic of you to your wife and your wife to you. Easy. Add in the kid. You to your wife, your wife to you, you to the kid, your wife to the kid, right? And then the kid to both of you. You've added on a lot of dynamics just from one person. Add in in the second kid. The dynamics again. Now it's you to each one of the kids, the kids with each other, each one back to you very complex. Add in a third, think about how many dynamics you're creating. Rabbi said, by the time you get to six, (laughs) and now you're faced with dilemmas, major dilemmas in your life, like, she's taking too long in the bathroom. She's taking too long in the bathroom is the bane of my existence. (laughs) Yeah? But, children should not have to die just because they're they're complaining about it. So at 7.30 in the morning, when my daughters are, she's taking too long in the bathroom, I need to get in there, I need to go to school. It's not a reason for children to have to die. Now, obviously that's saying a very strong thing, right? But let me ask you a question. Why if why you do you even have to kill them? What, what's happening? Because I want you to know that I have a bone in my body. I know a lot of parents that have this bone in their body. For me, it's right here. Right here in the crick of my neck. Okay. And as my daughters, who I love begin to interact with each other in that way. The bone <laughs> in my body... Is it, You're a medical doctor? So is this a medical thing that I have? I don't know what it is, but this bone begins to tighten. And it's an amazing thing. As this bone begins to tighten, my whole upper back starts to... starts to become much more, uh, tight. And my fists, almost unnaturally, they just start to, like, clench. And this roar comes up within me, if I'm not careful. And it says, and it wants to say, What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? This is so unimportant in your life, and we have multiple bathrooms, yeah? (laughs) And it wants to unleash a tirade of how dumb could you possibly be, and of all the things in the world, I promise you, this is so not worth fighting about, and I want to say that. But that's called killing children, right? Because the things we say to our kids matter. You all remember yourselves, what it felt like when somebody said something to you out of anger especially if it was somebody that was important to you when they just lashed out because they just couldn't take it anymore and it's not because right you didn't deserve it yeah you might have been doing something that was deeply annoying to your parents and there is nothing more annoying to parents than when siblings don't get along with each other the greatest nachas a parent has is when siblings get along with each other right So it's a great moment of personal growth. That moment of tension where I'm standing on the top of my stairs, on the balcony over there, overlooking my daughters, standing outside the bathroom, banging. Banging like their life depends on it. To get through that very flimsy Israeli door, yeah, is a tremendous moment of personal growth. And the capacity to slow down and to think and to say one second, just like my daughters are going crazy for no reason, I too need to think about what is the ben aliyah thing to do in this moment, right? I'm giving you a very human example. But the truth of the matter is that this exists in every moment of every day in our lives. It exists in the dorm, it exists in shiurim, it exists in base Medrash. Again, I'll give you another one. This is maybe more relevant to where you are right now. I know that your phone buzzed. I know it. I know your phone buzzed. It makes sense to me that when your phone buzzes, you want to do a quick one of these. But if you think about that, right? How exceptionally rude is that? When we do that, when people are talking to us, imagine somebody's talking to you, yeah? I'm just meeting you right now for the first time. Is your phone buzzing? I have a phone. yeah? Imagine you're in the middle of talking to somebody and literally the words that are coming out of their mouth are important, they're saying something to you, right? And then something buzzed and you just go, I'm gonna ignore you for a moment. What is that? It requires massive machshava. We don't do that to people. A gift you can give your children, a gift you can give your friends, take your phone off of vibrate, put it on silent. I know that's a crazy thing to say. It will still be there at the end of the appointment. It will still be there at the end of the year. It will still be there at the end of the conversation. It takes power, but it's worth it. Relationships are important. I've said this before, I'll say it again. My wife at some point hung up an article from Reader's Digest on our uh, refrigerator and the article was it, was a, um, it wasn't a was an article, it was like a, like a cartoon and it was a mother sitting and washing dishes and a child tugging on the mother's skirt and saying, mommy, mommy pay attention and the mother says, I'm paying attention child continues to tug at the mother's skirt, mommy pay attention, pay attention I'm paying attention mommy pay attention to me with your eyes right just because you are listening to the words that come out of somebody's mouth doesn't mean you're giving them respect, right? When, again, I heard this once from Rav Moshe Tzvi, an old friend of mine. You guys know Rav Moshe Tzvi from YU, Rav Moshe Tzvi Weinberg, right? He's an old friend of mine. He was here in Mavasera with me. He gave a shear, It was a tremendous shear. He said, everybody who's in a has the um, has the amazing gift of being able to give the speaker the awareness that what they're saying is being heard. Last night I was speaking somewhere. There was one of the women in the audience was doing this the entire time I was speaking. And you know what? As weird as it was, it felt good. Oh, you get it. You're there, you're here, you're speaking, right? I love this one. A guy's on his phone in the middle of shear, right? And then the Rebbe says, tell me what I just said. And we have this amazing capacity, the human mind, I know this is true even medically. The human mind has the capacity to repeat the last 15 seconds of the thing you weren't really paying attention to, right? Or even if you were paying attention, we can say those last couple of words. what are you really saying? Just because you can repeat the last couple of words, right? If somebody says "new," repeat back to me what you just said. What are they really saying? What I just said? What are they really saying? It's not nice what you're doing. It requires thoughtfulness to not be impulsive. It's a tremendous power. It's a tremendous tool for growth. Awareness, consciousness of where you are as you become an adult, More and more moments of your life take on more and more significance. Marriages fall apart because people are not self-aware. They're not aware of what's really going on between them and their spouse. Children and their relationships with their parents fall apart because parents aren't aware. Do you know how many times we've had guys come to Yeshiva and tell me, Rebbe, I don't trust my parents at all. I don't tell them the truth at all. And when the parents come to visit, they talk about Bar Hashem. We have a very good relationship with their ch- with our child. He tells us everything. And I have to sit there like this. That's really amazing. That's really amazing that you think that. Right? Because it's just a total lack of self-awareness. Right? Children... You guys know this yourself, right? You're 18. You remember what it was like to be 13 and 14 years old? 13 and 14-year-old kids are big. They're big. They, they think things. They feel things. The things we do matter. Be careful not to become a person who's moving so fast that he loses machshavah in his life. It is the... the machshava is the thing that makes you truly wealthy. It's the most. It, it's the wealthiest of powers. There is nothing that wisdom does not touch. If you're a self-aware person, if you're aware of what's going on around you, that gets into every fabric of your being. Do you know how many people make mistakes in business? People make mistakes in chinuch. People make mistakes in their own avodas Hashem pasha because they weren't thinking. It touches everywhere. Mindfulness, awareness. It touches everywhere. Intelligent people that are focused on kedusha, that are focused on living lives of holiness always will be geared towards practical action. Remember that we don't do philosophy. Right? Philosophy is, is this like amorphous thing that you can sit and you can think but it has nothing to do with the real world. Right? People who go to parenting classes all the time but still erupt all over their children. Right? In the world of philosophy you can give these amazing classes. You know what I'm saying? It has to be practical. What actionable changes are you making? I want you to know the most brilliant people are often the least successful people. Brilliance is not a gift. Not necessarily. But intelligence is, and there's a difference. Just because somebody has a high IQ and can score very high on their SATs has nothing to do with the world of real action. I always say this. My friend, who was one of my least intelligent friends in my life, who I've known since I'm two years old, who couldn't pass a test to save his life, is my absolute wealthiest friend, and it's not even close. What you can do in a book On a test, it matters very little, unless you're going to be a doctor, it matters very little in the world of business. We both know people that have gone to college. I'm a big fan of college. We both know people that have gone to college, and it has nothing to do with success. I know people that were valedictorians in college, and they're okay in business. And I know people that really just barely pass by the skin of their teeth, and they're wealthy, because intelligence always gears you towards action. You don't need to be the most brilliant person for that. You just need to have enough seichel to be able to get towards the world of action. And whether that's going to be learning yourself, learning the world around you, or halacha, or agarata, or even kabbalah, it's always a focus on, where is this taking me? Where am I going? What is the the action that I need to do? So if a guy comes to yeshiva, it's very possible to do this. A guy comes to yeshiva, he's sitting and learning three starim a day. He goes to davening three starim a day. At the end of the year, you look at him, nothing changed. Why? Because it was up here. It didn't lead him to the world of action. You learn, you learn halacha rabbosai, that has to inform the way you behave in your life. You learn nagarta, it has to impact your worldview, which then has to impact the way you live your life. You read a story of a gadol b'taira, then you go out and you lead your life that way. You're a little bit closer towards leading your life that way. It has to inspire us to action. Whether it be a small action or just a little bit of a change in the way we the way we act towards people, or even just a small area of chizak, a certain insight into the way we ourselves. That all has to ultimately be channeled in. Okay, how did that change me? I just learned something, how did that change me? Right, everything we learn has to change us a little bit. But that's Rabbeinu. Again, I, obviously, we're learning a she'er here in, in Yiddishkeit, but it's not limited to Yiddishkeit. Everything you learn should change you. And by the way, that's why we need to be so careful about what we learn. Knowledge, when it comes into you, it does change the way you see the world. So you have to be careful what you learn, and you have to have priorities in what you learn, right? Because you can't you can't run towards the external first. You have to learn the internal, right? So. Our job, especially in these years, before we go out into college, before we go out into the workforce, our job is to be machazik ourselves in the Jewish way that we see the world. That's being machazik the internal worldview. So that memelo when we see out, ah, becomes clear. We cannot be separated from action. You understand? A guy comes to shit. I, I love this one. I like learning, I'm just not a davener. <laughs> then you mamish missed it. Then you mamish missed it. If your davening doesn't inform your learning, and if your learning doesn't inform your davening, then something is very off. Guy says, I'm a davener, but not a learner. <laughs> Come on. If you're a davener, that means you're in a relationship. So go learn about the relationship. I like learning. If you learn about the relationship, talk to your wife. Just because you can know everything about your wife if you never have a conversation with her, right? It's not meaningful. Davening is a conversation with our spouse. One has to inform the other. Otherwise, it's cerebral, and it hasn't channeled itself to the world of action. <laughs> we have to hurry. We have to hurry. <laughs> when he had that unbelievable dream where he saw the sulam all the way to Shemayim he saw that ladder all the way to Shemayim and he was Zoha to understand Klal Yisrael's relationship with Eretz Yisrael with Eretz Kadosh for many many years what to say he woke up from his slumber and he said there is God in this place and I didn't know because if I knew I never would have gone to sleep the he was afraid how awesome is this place this is the house of God this is the gates of heaven what does he do as soon as he wakes up in the morning he takes the stone that he put that he lied down what does he do when he awakens he immediately makes the cornerstone for the base of when a person has such a dream in their life and they've been given such an unbelievable guarantee about Klal relationship with Eretz Yisrael where is the simcha? where is the hispilus? where is the excitement? where is the let's get going? Right, what does he do? what does he have? he has regret people live today with the word I don't want to regret children are afraid to regret things what, what is so bad about regret? No regrets. I have no regrets. I never I never regret anything that I did. Why? What's wrong with saying that behavior was beneath my dignity? What's wrong with saying I can learn from the mistake that I made? Regret doesn't mean guilt and it doesn't mean shame. Regret is exceptionally healthy. It means that behavior was not appropriate. you see, he knew if I never would have fallen asleep in that place, I never would have had that dream. So he fell asleep in that place, Rabbi Isai. What does that mean if you fall asleep in that place? You have that dream. No. What made him move from one place to another? What made him take it from the world of philosophy into the world of action? It's because he had charata. He had regret. He said to himself, Whoa, this is an awesome moment. I have to grab hold of it. I can't let it pass me by. Every single guy. And yes, we have a visitor here today. But every single guy, before they come to Mibassar, what what is their dream? This year, it's going to be the year. I'm going to make that move this year. And yet, every year there are guys, Bar Hashem, less and less, but every year there are guys that when you look back at the end of the year, what are they saying to themselves? Ah, it, just, it, just, it just went right by me. It just went right by How did it happen? Because where was the year where was, this is my opportunity. I have, to, I have to grab it. I don't want to regret this. I got to do something. I already missed a little bit. I got to double down now, right? They're letting it go by them. Not fear in the sense of anxiety, but the awesomeness of the, of the moment moves a person. I have a tremendous opportunity. You're dating a girl. It's the girl you want to marry. Grab the opportunity. You're in college. That's the thing you want to do with your life. You're going to have opportunities. Grab the opportunity, right? Don't let those moments go by. That's what makes life real. That's lahavi rikhshe libo hatovim take of You have this awesome power inside of you. You're emotionally excited to do it. Yira is what makes you grab it. That's what it means. That yiras Hashem, fear of God, is the beginning of knowledge. Why? It's an awesome opportunity. Don't let it get by you. Don't let it get by you. As we've said many times before, what is the chibur? What's the unifying factor? What's that power that takes your many disparate kokos and puts them together? That's das. Puts it all together. Your mind, your heart, yeah? And all the tools that you have to have action. Das puts it all together. So what's the beginning? Yira that moves a person towards action. There's a tremendous secret that's hidden right here in this kivun, in this path towards the world of action. We're used to thinking that the highest level is to think about the highest level things. No. Halamid amanah, halilmo halamid amanah slasos zochelah hak ruach hakodesh. Somebody who learns for the sake of doing, he zochel to ruach hakodesh. Matam leman tishmer lasos kachol akasov bo ki az tasliach darchecha va az taskil ve ein taskil el ruach hakodesh. Command Amar maskil eitan azrachi. Quoting from the Medrash and Yikar Rabba, what a Chazal say, ruach hakodesh is given when in the path towards Meis. Ruach hakodesh is not when a person gets to a very high level and he's capable of thinking the deepest kabbalistic thoughts. It's, you go to Revit Meyer you see, oh, Ruach HaKodesh. <laughs> Every one of us is Ruach HaKodesh. Where? You get Ruach HaKodesh be kivun people talk. Everywhere you go in life, there are people that talk. They're going to talk about the highest, loftiest concepts. And then there are people that do. Ruach HaKodesh is given in the kivun towards Maisa Chazal. Mukhruch mizeh. When do you get Ruach HaKodesh? When do you get that godly spirit? when it's actionable, when you're living in the world of action, don't be a talker. Don't be a thinker. I don't mean don't be a thinker in the sense of don't think about your life. Of course you should. But don't be the person that thinks, and it's just this like, yeah, talk a big game. I talk, you know, like I I think about things. I'm a deep thinker, (laughs) Shkayah. Lamaiza doesn't necessarily get you to shachris, Right? I'm going to say a tough thing right now. Maybe I shouldn't say it, which means I'm going to say it. You know who made it through the Enlightenment? In the yeshivas, they got decimated. In the yeshivas, they got decimated by the Enlightenment. Because it was this world of thoughtfulness. It's like this philosophical world, and a person could become, could take those ideas and lose himself to that. But those that served Hashem with passion, that made tefillah, that made focus on bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world, they were much less impacted. Yeah. Hasidic community was much less impacted. And it wasn't because they were closeted off because the reality is that when you get into that world of philosophy you could and again it's not that you shouldn't be a thinker but if your philosophy is not directed towards action, could fall apart (laughs) That's what it means, learning for the sake of doing If you look carefully at this it doesn't say Kabbalah, it doesn't say Halacha, it says everything it says everything. So how does it start? You want to get to the world of action. You got to score buckets. Right? At the end of the day, you want points. I don't mean points for schar. I mean, we want to be able to check the boxes that we led a good life. That is the world of action. How do we get there? It begins with yira. Right? It starts off with, this is an awesome moment. I don't want to let it pass me by. I don't want to regret this. It goes into the world of das. That's the chibur of all things. The purpose is Kedusha, transparency, bringing godliness into the world. Where is the, where is the place of Kedusha in this world? It is inside of us. You don't have to go running everywhere else to find Kedusha. We don't have to run to the, to the Himalayas to sit there and, and, and sit in a lotus position. It's everywhere we go, it's inside of ourselves. And from there is the wellspring of Ruach HaKodesh. As we're going to explain in this Shah. Two general things that we find here. That when you learn for the sake of doing, you get Ruach HaKodesh. Aleph. Number one, to do a complete action requires tremendous effort it's not a simple thing that in itself is one of the dimensions of Ruach HaKodesh how many people here have ever done a Misa where they got 98% of the way there and they said good enough 98% it was awesome I percent is amazing right those last 2% are where your bones are made right those last 2% that's where it's mission critical yeah that la- right that last five pounds is the hardest five pounds That last five pounds is the hardest five pounds. And it's not just, by the way, it's not just about weight. It's about anything, right? It's in college. I've got enough of it to pass the test, even to do well. It's just a simple question. Have you mastered the material, right? Because if you're doing something important, you want mastery. You'll want to go to the mechanic that knows 90% of it. Right, you want to go to the mechanic who's a master. And that's true when it comes to knowledge of Torah, that's true when it comes to you know knowledge of Chachma. whatever it is. It's it's about really mastering it. Those last two percent, the hardest thing in the world. <speaking> in <Hebrew> What was greater? This amazing question Revolvi asks. What was greater? The fact that Yaakov Avinu on the one hand could have such a vision, have such a halom, or the fact that afterwards he immediately established a Matseva, That he immediately was establishing this is the Makam Migdash. And listen to his answer. According to us, guys, he says, we're not going to be Mei's Panav. We're not going to go so far out there that we say this is the correct answer. We don't do that. So I have a halom like that, that's prophetic. And the action is only Ruach HaKodesh. So Nevu is clearly higher than Ruach HaKodesh, right? But who knows? Who could say which one is better? nevu or Ruach HaKodesh? Up until this year, what would you have naturally said, Rabbi Isai? Nevu is greater than Ruach HaKodesh. What's Revolvi saying? It's not so clear. We can't choose, but it's not so clear. (laughs) But one thing we could say for sure. There's nothing greater than the Ruach HaKodesh that it takes in order to have a Maizah Muslim. I just want to make one thing clear. You realize how Revolvi is using the term Ruach HaKodesh, especially for those who... uh, have taken I want the truth with with me, yeah? Yeah. Ruach HaKodesh is not, oh, right? It's not like I'm being filled with the Spirit of God. It's the godly power. It's accessing the godly power that's inside of you to take it all the way. It's a tremendous thing. Baze. we'll finish with this not only is the action itself driven by Ruach HaKodesh but the path towards action builds Ruach HaKodesh in a person it's not, it's not this high level thinking that brings a person to a Ruach HaKodesh it's that, it's that thinking leads to action that's what builds Ruach HaKodesh in a person and that's what we're looking for. We're looking to be filled with a capacity, with a power of a godly spirit to do important things in our life. Testi- testifying on me. Between man and woman. Whether it's a Jew, whether it's a non-Jew, an Evid or a shifra, every single person according to his actions Ruach, every person can have Ruach HaKodesh. Every human being is endowed with this power, this infinite power that's inside of us. And according to what we said above, all of this is clear. Because it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a non Jew, it doesn't matter if you're an editor or a shivcha. What matters? Action builds you, it builds that Ruach HaKodesh inside of you. This is the true action from the true Talmud Chacham who's going all the way. He's living that full life.